before we dive deep into Savitri, just a few words about the main theme of this conference. Shobindu says in one of his uh, short letters that this is not a yoga of world-shunning asceticism. By default, sometimes people swing to the other side and start believing it's a yoga of world-indulging <laughs> practices. It's neither. It's neither a yoga of world-shunning asceticism where we withdraw from life, it's contact, completely abandon it. Equally, it's not a yoga where we indulge in the world in the way we have been doing through lives because then there would be no transformation. We have to meet the world with a new challenge, armed with a new force, a new understanding, a new will and vision. And that's the essence. And that new force, new will and vision are a gift of grace to all of us. What we have to do is to open more and more to this new force, this new consciousness, which is not available only to a few persons sitting in the ashram, not to just few people who are uh, engaging with deep meditation, but to one and all, provided there is an aspiration, a call, a cry, a need. And this need can express itself in countless ways. It's not that even you know one is belonging to a certain group. It was such a heartening experience which I wish to share yesterday as uh, you know, Mr. Wesley drove me down and uh, he was the driver you had sent. I don't know why as I sat into the car I thought that just a thought crossed me that I need to um, you know, know a little more about his life and without the question he started speaking. And what he was describing was a reversal of consciousness known to, be, to happen through yoga. And he didn't practice any yoga. All that he had was a, you know, he went into coma. For whatever reason, I didn't ask him because the rest of the story was so interesting <laughs> that it became irrelevant. Where he literally says that I, I literally saw my creator and he touched me. And that Touch changed me completely. When I came out, I was a different person. This is an experience described through yoga, which is called as a reversal of consciousness. <laughs> and in his case, it came as a gift of grace. And what wonderful things he was speaking that, you know, he asked me, since you said about psychiatry, what are you doing? I said, I am a psychiatrist. Oh, yes, 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 I agree. Thinking makes a man. So I said, wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> So what I have learned is to forgive because if you hold a grudge, actually this is what I told him, yes, if you hold a grudge within yourself, you harm yourself. He said, yeah, that's it. So I said, so beautifully he has grasped it without a moment. <laughs> if you hold a grudge within, you harm yourself more than anyone else. And the rest of the journey was so beautiful because, you know, he was, he was just flowing with a lot of inspiration. So... In the most unexpected moments, in the most unexpected ways, the divine can seize upon us in the midst of the market, in the midst of the battlefield, in the midst of nowhere, provided this flame is burning like an aspiration. And then we meet the world. Not without the flame. There is a beautiful line in Savitri, but one stood up and lit the limitless flame. Not the flame of the vital, which is easily quenched and again comes up. 
not the flame of the physical matter which is burning very mildly tepidly and very soon it you know sinks not the flame of the mind which goes here and there and scattered into many directions without really hitting the core of truth but the flame that is limitless it reaches straight towards the infinite and then we meet the world and all its contacts we keep offering as in a havan kund of sacrifice in a yagna that's why we need these qualities because we have to be armed with them it's literally like packing our bags you know we are on a journey mother says yes, you know we had this in the brochure something like discovery of the soul uh, very nice words from mother and shobindo uh, the most important things he says when you are going toward this discovery you should be armed with the patience and perseverance as of one who is going to discover new continents and we know how difficult it is america was discovered by default the person was in search of india and he landed up in america but because he didn't have the right understanding he believed it is india that's how the red indians but his aspiration still continues and america is still discovering india <laughs> <laughs> well india has discovered america <laughs> that's for sure because you know it's an aspiration the original aspiration continues so they must discover each other because it's it's destined in the very scheme of things <laughs> so this is the limitless flame which must patiently persevere it's it's not a simple yoga is not a technique like you know we do it and practice it and we get it if it was so simple then you know the the all the animals are doing lot of uh, postures and you know they breathe very well right they know how to breathe by nature and some of the animals if you look at them closely looks like they are in deep meditation because thought is not there to disturb unlike human beings <laughs> but we engage in yoga because we have something other than the body other than the vital other than the mind and that something is a unique gift to us and that is the gift for which we are told in greek mythology that prometheus was punished because he took that gift and gave to man that is the gift of aspiration the fire that burns it's the greatest of all gifts and we don't treasure it so we have to safeguard it so many of the things that we read in the 12 qualities are basically faith mother says it's a priceless treasure that we must safeguard it's more if faith and will are there everything else one can be demolished and rebuilt but if faith and will are gone then whatever else may be there will sooner or later get demolished because these are the true crucial powers which are given to us so quite naturally and and the other part is uh, before we come to savitri again that this integral yoga as i said it's not just a question of learning some techniques methods in fact there are no techniques or methods these are shobindo's words not mine there is no method in this yoga except and that except is something wonderful except to take the mother's name and mine shobindo's words there is no method in this yoga except to take the mother's name and mine so how do we go through this process what really is yoga what's happening when i am when nothing is compulsory 
neither sitting in meditation nor visiting the ashram. I mean, all these things have their place. We should not exaggerate it in another direction. Uh, not even reading, incidentally. So what is it that is going on? How does the yoga proceed? If not through some set mantras, rituals, methods, techniques, it proceeds through our contact with the world forces in everyday life. That is the beauty of this yoga. And the mother puts it very beautifully. She says, this yoga proceeds through a set of people who are called examiners. A very nice writing of the mother. Those who want to read it, just search this word, the examiners, and you'll find it. I think volume 14 or 15. And she says that slightest contact, because basically we often, you know, when we meet the world, we often use the word this person, that person, this event, that situation, that circumstance. None of this is true seeing. This is all seeing on the surface. It's not this person, that person, this situation, that event, that circumstance. We come in contact with this force or that force. That's the only truth about it. With this idea force or that idea force, which is expressing through people, situations, circumstances. And therefore, a right understanding of the world play and equipping ourselves in the right way to meet is important. And when we offer all this as a material, we meet the world in its rawness. Why not? Why does the world forces come to anyone in whom the fire is lit? We were just hearing those beautiful lines um, by Narada on death coming to Savitri. So beautifully, Shobindo writes, love came to her hiding the shadow death. Why does it come? We can say from one angle that it comes to obstruct the path. From another angle, it comes so that it also wants to change. And wherever it sees the flame, it comes there. So what we have to do it, instead of feeding that, we feed it into the flame. This little difference. You know, yoga is extremely simple. When Bulesha, the great mystic, he asked his guru, how do I practice yoga? And the guru was a gardener, picking up things and, you know, sowing the seeds. He said, yoga, it's very simple. Why are you wasting my time? He said, yes, but tell me what's so simple about it. He said in, you know, I'll uh, Punjabi flavor and then I'll come to translate it. He said, pick up from here and put it there. That's all. He said, what? Pick up from here and put it there means what? He said, your awareness, your concentration. Pick up from here and put it there. It's all that. Pick up from here and put it there. Now, what we have to do is when all these contacts come to us, as they will come inevitably, we meet them with equanimity and we offer them into this flame. Of course, the flame must be lit and effort must be made to keep it alive make it grow, and the more it grows, all these contacts, as they get fed into the flame, they get refined, purified, eventually transformed, and then the world begins to yield the living body of God, which is hidden behind it. That's what Narada was referring about when finally Savitri meets death, and death is licked up by the power, by the light, by the flame, by the fire, raging in the heart of Savitri, and eventually what it yields, death is a mask which is slain. And behind it we discover the same divine. The one who set pain and suffering and fall as the spirit's goats. He wears the mask. There is none else. Yesterday this was the question and 
one of the things to be practiced and mother mother would insist about it and shubindra will speak about it is oneness to see the one divine in everything and everywhere when there was a film shown in the playground on bhakt prahlad i do not know if anyone has seen the film it's a very old film i have seen it it's a wonderful film and i am not an agent to promote the film i think it's no more there <laughs> but <laughs> nowadays one has to be careful about what one recommends isn't it because all the news come through recommended channels <laughs> but nevertheless uh, she was very happy she said it's very true that if someone like prahlad can concentrate on the presence of the divine in everything and everywhere one is protected very simple one grows so whatever be the state situation to take it and offer it into the flame and it'll begin to yield its truth so world may appear very confusing and perplexing to a limited vision but if we offer all that we are experiencing even through the newspaper even through the tv channel through whatsapp or whatever means and offer it it'll begin to yield the truth that is behind it something such a beautiful process in alchemy literally of changing things into the divine element so uh, the question arises how do we really develop these qualities now therein lies the challenge is all that is very nice we know it that yes we must have these qualities how do we develop it now there is there are long ways and the long ways always through the mind it goes through the mind mazes of the mind you know yesterday i saw a very nice uh, picture how children can have out of the box thinking so there is a cat shown outside a maze you remember as children we used to do the maze and there is a uh, bowl of milk kept at the other end of the maze and the question was that <laughs> show the passage for the cat to reach the milk now you know there is a maze remember that you know you have to go through you have to find so the child drew a line outside the maze from the cat to the milk <laughs> and why nobody thought about it so this is the maze want to go through the maze all right keep touching blind alleys retrieve come back gps reorienting recorrecting recalculating that's one way long way this is a short way <laughs> here is the milk here is the cat what's the problem <laughs> so this short way is within us and uh, well i am basically a lazy person i prefer short ways and even if you are not you should prefer short ways because it's easy you know why go through all the maze so to make the whole process shorter shubhendu gifted us savitri he called it the most important work and you may wonder how what do you mean shorter it's so difficult so complicated to start with it is not <laughs> literally it is not when you read it you re- realize it's not it's really more simple than life divine and in many ways simpler even than uh, definitely simpler than the human cycle in many ways simpler than the synthesis of yoga in in with most from most of his writings if you compare this is much simpler this uh, honest reading and besides it contains the wine of intoxicating ananda so it's not just simple it's addictive mm-hmm. so what more do you need we want to be addicted to the divine rather than to the wine of the world and this addiction is the perfect antidote to the other addiction that we are all suffering from and that is addiction to the world and its ways so savitri is a gift for that among many things many things we'll see you know if 
time permitting, we can speak or touch upon other aspects. Savitri is the story of the mother and Shurabindo. How does it help? People often ask. So people, when they speak about beings who have come in the past and gone, Krishna, Christ, Buddha, they want to know history. When were they born? What happened in their outer life? But that hardly helps anyone except maybe the academician who is sitting out there just to gather some data. And the data is perfectly useless. If somebody were to write about the life of Krishna and describe that portion when Krishna was in the battlefield of Kurukshetra and he was to give an interview after a lot of historical research on Krishna and CNN, IBN and all these channels came to him asking, tell us about Krishna, what did he do in the battlefield of Kurukshetra? And he would say practically nothing. He was just a cowherd boy who was driving a chariot. That's hardly inspiring. But look at Sri Krishna in the battlefield of Kurukshetra. From the vision that Vyasa had, from the vision that Sanjay was gifted, from the vision that Arjuna was granted. And they would say, what did he do? Well, he did everything. And we see the same with everyone. Christ, outward life, he was put on the cross. Inwardly, Shurabindu says Christ from his cross, humanized Europe. That is the vision that we need. And that is there in Savitri about Mother and Shubindu's life, in the persona of Savitri, in the persona of Ashupati and Satyavan, who they are. So how does it help us? Well, as I spoke about the shortcut, and this is well known in our ancient tradition. In India, there is an ancient tradition of deifying. Some people use a very strange word, hagiography. I don't understand what it means. But deifying the great ones and luminous ones. How does it help? I'll give you a small example. When we grew up in a typical Indian tradition, we, we had a prayer in the morning and it was a bhajan. Basically, it was about Lord Rama's. Uh, Tulsi Das is describing Lord Rama. And he starts with this. Sri Ram. Some of us may be aware and I'll translate it. Shri Ramachandra Kripalu Bhajuman Harana Bhave Darunam. It starts with that, that Lord Rama is full of compassion and he takes away our fear, tremendous fear that we have when we come in contact with the world, Darunam, not just ordinary fear, but the greatest fear of navigating through life. And then another line where this compassion is combined with strength and he says, Ajanu Bhujachar Chap Dhari Sangram Jit Khardoshanam Iti uh, so, you know, Kardushana to demons whom he killed. So he says that you have your arms stretching right up to your knees, knee length. And you have put the bow and shot at Kardushan and finished them. And then the poet says, same way you dwell within my heart and slay the demons called Kama and Krodha and Moha and Lobha, the band of enemies that obstruct the soul and hurt our inner being. That's how Shubhindu puts in the you know, your synthesis of yoga. So these are the real band of enemies which are within us. And he is invoking the divine presence that just as you destroyed them, seat, be seated in my heart by your compassion, by your love, and destroy these band of enemies that assail me within. So the, the advantage of reading the biography or the lives of these great and luminous ones, and of course... Madhra and Shubindo cross even the limits of you know, greatness and luminosity. 
That's why we don't put any epithets, you know, Shurabindo is just Shurabindo. We don't need to put yogi, avatar, etc., etc. Because Shurabindo himself is complete. <laughs> or the mother. And by reading about them, we spontaneously begin to grow into these qualities which they embody. That's why it is said that one must love always, but one must choose the object of love very carefully. Because the mother's mother says, you grow into the likeness of that which you love. So if we love someone, we'll grow into the likeness. Love is a power. Its original power, it has come from the divine and attaches itself to anything and everything and transforms it. That is the power. It immediately, the very act of love is to make the other one's very own. It is not satisfied with halfway measures. Writing letters, WhatsApp messages, not enough. When you love someone, you want to be one with that person. You want to be in perfect union at a human level. It's obviously unrealizable unreali- in an untransformed, ignorant humanity. It can only be realized in a transformed state of consciousness when there are no more errors, ignorance, uh, tendency towards desires, egoistic position, etc., etc. So when we love the divine, we begin to grow into the likeness of the divine. So this is the shorter path. Very beautifully when mother was asked that, what is the divine? She has given beautiful definitions at different places and she's also said at the end he's undefinable. But one of the short and beautiful definitions which she gave was, the divine is what you adore in Shirobindo. The divine is what you adore in Shirobindo. Now, when we read about their life, when we read how Shirobindo would sit in Baroda, sit in the table lamp, and be poring over books, the Upanishads, the, the, the Vedas, and many other books, late at night, his food is growing cold, mosquitoes are all around, swarming around, and yet he is so absorbed that he has no. He is as if in a state of complete self-absorption into the bliss of light of Sachidananda, that nothing else matters. So we don't have to, when we read that, we don't have to learn about equanimity. We simply have to know we have to be as the Lord has been. Or when he fell down and had a fracture of the thigh, and he is lying like a golden purusha, not a cry from his mouth, nothing, not even a whinge, And when the doctor comes and he asks him that, Sir, uh, is it paining? Shubindu says, one can be above pain. (laughs) One can be above pain. (laughs) What an answer to give to a doctor. (laughs) One can be above pain. One can be above suffering. So that is the reason, among many other things, that when we read Savitri, when we read, it's full of Mother and Shurabindo's life. Such inspiring passages which show us how we should be. Or rather not even show us because showing us is still like you know it now, you practice it. By the very fact we read these passages, something of that consciousness begins to come to us. You know, ancient tantrics use the mantra to please a goddess and bring her near. You know, we have the Sri Chakra for example, it's well known. So Sri Chakra is a means of invoking the highest form of the Divine Mother. And there are tantras, mantras, yantras and puja by which you draw that consciousness which is beyond the human limits by the mantra and the yantra and the puja. So in Savitri, 
we have the mantra which draws for us that consciousness which is really far beyond anything we can even imagine or we can conceive. And not only it draws that power, that consciousness close to us, it helps us to come in contact with it, to be transformed with it and possibly at some point of time grow one with it. That's why the mother says, Savitri alone can take us to the highest realizations of the yoga of transformation without a living guru. In fact, in this yoga, there are no intermediaries, there are no priests, there are no sub-gurus or gurus, gurus or people carrying on the legacy of Mother and Shobindo, no one. It's directly Mother and Shobindo if you are blessed with that love. And for those who would still need something handy, it is Savitri. So this is where I would read some passages from here and there and uh, not um, strictly following the, in the format it's written, entry into the inner being. Yes, uh, we'll read that subsequently. But first about who Savitri is, what is her, what is her nature? Very simple, I mean, what's her personality like? Because we would like to have something of that, some touch of that. And here comes these magnificent lines, which if I remember correctly, Shobindo described as through and through over mind poetry. Uh, Canto 2, book 1, Canto 2. They were sent to Amal Kiran when he requested for something which is through and through and over mind poetry, the highest kind of uh, poetic mantra that one can ever imagine. And it starts from a very interesting line. So on page 14, book 1, Canto 2. The issue where Shobindo is describing the issue, the real issue. The real issue is not people. Let's first be very clear about that. <laughs> the real issue is not event, circumstances, situation. So what is the issue? The issue is here, right here. It is we with our ignorance on the one side and the world with all the complex play of forces on the other side. It's the love of the divine on the one side and doom on the other side. It's the aspiration of the soul for bliss and Godhead and freedom and truth and light and love and immortality on the one side and death and fate conspiring together on the other side. This is the issue. So what, what kind of nature to start with? This can be very scary and some people, you know, when they enter into yoga, when they come to know about the world forces and everything, they enter into a shell. They are afraid. If we are afraid, we can achieve nothing, whether in this life or in spiritual life. When Swami Vivekananda was asked, what is Brahman? He paused for a while and said, Brahman is fearless. To be fearless is to engage in yoga. The mother says, if you are afraid of anything, it is the worst kind of impurity, fear. And look here, when he describes the Divine Mother, page 14, last six lines from below, all in her pointed to a nobler kind. You know, we have beautiful, you know, Shubhinda was writing these books in the Arya. And there's a whole um, essay dedicated to who is an Aryan, because, you know, this word was already distorted or going to be distorted. So he says it's not a racial word. It's a psychological term. One could be an Aryan anywhere in the world, provided he is a warrior of the inner life 
provided he sows the field of nature given to us and allows the fruits and flowers of divine plenty to blossom there. He is an Aryan. So here the mother all in her pointed to a nobler kind. This is what we must develop within us. Near to earth's wideness, intimate with heaven. She is wide. What is the wideness of the earth? It shelters everything and everybody. Even the snake finds a place somewhere in its entrails. That's the earth. Wide. It gives generously to everyone. How much ever we try to you know, stifle its all the gifts it gives to pollute, still it gives. There is no end to its giving near to earth's wideness. And yet the difference is intimate with heaven. While we all things come to us, we must lift them to the utmost possible because that's where we dwell. There should be a constant effort at uplifting everything. And the passage by which it, through which it can be uplifted is through this limitless flame. Intimate with heaven, exalted and swift, her young, large, visioned spirit, large, visioned, swift, exalted, what marvelous epithets, not small visioned, small visioned is me, mine, even in yoga, me, my yoga, how well I am progressing, have I achieved nirvana or not, this is small visioned, large vision, oh more and more souls to enter into light, large vision, I refuse nirvana, I, I refuse mukti, Till a single soul is struggling upon earth. Large vision. May I come again and again a thousand times be born upon this ignorant globe. So that everything, every grain of sand can be lifted into the light and be transformed. Large vision. That's why we read that time and again she is saying that she and Satyavan has come together. Won many a forms and names for this one work in which their lives are indissolubly linked. To lift the earthly life to life divine. So many lives. How does it matter? So large visioned spirit. Voyaging through worlds of splendor and of calm. Overflew the ways of thought to unborn things. Voyaging through worlds of splendor and of calm. We are still voyaging through worlds of confusion and traffic and <laughs> agitation. We need to cut off the buriks from there. You know, speaking of methods and techniques, there was a very nice small story. Three men, they went parting to another side of the river and they told the boatman that, look, you know, we'll get late. So if you leave the boat and leave the oar, we'll drive back and, you know, later on you can come swim across and I will give you generous money. So they gave the money, boatman said, okay, fine, it's okay, fine, you, you want to do it your way, do it your way. So about midnight, they all decided to go, go to the other side and they sat in the boat and started rowing. Whole night they kept rowing, but the boat just, it would move, but it won't go towards the shore. And finally they got sick and tired and just dropped asleep. And the boatman came and they said, what kind of boat you gave us? What kind of method and technique of meditation you gave us? What kind of process you gave us? It didn't take us one step further. 
And the boatman said, but yes, of course, you didn't untie it. <laughs> you didn't untie it. It was tied. I still see it. If you do such a foolish thing, it will not take you anywhere. So this is important because we have to overflow the ways of thought. Thought, analysis, all the time. That will not lead us to unborn things, the unmanifested things. Out of thought, we must leap up to sight. How does sight come? Surrender, dare to surrender to her absolute. Then the unmanifest reflects his form as in a living glass. That's how we come to know of what is yet to come. That's what Savitri is. She is sitting quietly, going beyond thought. We know even as a child, the Divine Mother would be sitting, two-year-old, three-year-old, and she would see a great light enter into her. And she, that's why she would say, just as the symbol we see, in the center is the Mother's consciousness. And then the rest. So, she's, when she was asked, how did your yoga proceed? She said, it started with consciousness. And that is the right way to start. Sri speaks of same thing in yogic sadhan. Of course, it's... Uh, Automatic writing. It says, start with the will first and say that the will is omnipotent. For will is Kali, it can achieve anything and everything. So he starts with that first. So the, he, her physical mother asked her, you are sitting as if the burden of the whole world is upon your heads. And she says, yes, of course. What a short reply given by a little child. Yes, of course. Two year old. And because she was Voyaging to unborn things. He was seeing things which are yet to manifest and are not yet and she was drawing them close. That should be our preoccupation. Not with the way world is but what it must be. And you know, uh, it, 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 many simple things we can derive from here. Like we are constantly thinking of what we have been or what we are. This preoccupation is very unhealthy. We, we do nothing but just keep multiplying the darkness. What we should be preoccupied with Shabindu would tell us what we should be and can be. What life should be about. We should be contemplating the beauty of life, the grandeur of life, the splendor of life, the joy of life, the calm that waits, knocking at our doors to express. And now look at the will. Ardent was her self-poised, unstumbling will. Unlike our human will, which is struggling and stumbling because it's covered and deviated by that mischief maker desire, which we confuse for will. But in fact, we discover the will precisely when desire is slain. Till there is desire, the will does not manifest. It's hidden inside and it's, it's, like, a little, it's like a little child or a flame, but all the time it's covered with this, which is drawing energy from it and going into that direction and this direction. Like a child holding a father's hand. And the father wants the child to move in a certain way. But the child drags the father in another way. And says I want this toy and I want that toy. And the father keeps giving the toys. Hoping that one day my child will ask me for things that I really want to give him. The most beautiful things that he has planned for the child. But the child is busy with playing with you know, toy planes. But here is someone who is armed. With an unstumbling, self-poised, unstumbling will. Again, not a will which is at the mercy of this person or that person. 
go this way okay we'll go this way some people you know try and experiment with all kinds of yoga paths and at the end reach nowhere so when mother was saying said naturally it's like changing doctor so every doctor will give you a <laughs> confuse a little more a little more till finally you go back to the first doctor and say well i think you know please go ahead with whatever you had decided <laughs> and he'll say by now things are more complicated so people change gurus from here and there and you know but self poised unstumbling will which doesn't go by this suggestion that suggestion but follow straight on to the path shown to it her mind a sea of white sincerity reading about sincerity mother has used the word for it transparency nothing is hid because we have to start somewhere nothing is hid before the lord we are before him just as we are in our nakedness and we offer it to him and see this is what i am but i would want to be what you would want me to be not hiding not becoming a sadhu bachcha or a holy man holy men are quite dangerous people i can tell you <laughs> if you have to stay away from one kind of humanity in today's time stay away from holy men normal human beings are fine because they are not having pretensions but holy men <laughs> Shovinda says it beautifully in one of his aphorism I went to a place full of holy men and I was bored <laughs> God took me to a prison and made it his twisting ground his own experience in Alipur jail so here is you know her mind is a sea of white sincerity it's not a small sincerity can be like that oh i don't see this some people practice that kind of sincerity I don't eat this I don't look here I just put a blinker and walk it's a very narrow understanding of sincerity but it's a sea it's not a dead pool of sincerity vast and white which carries only the stamp of the divine upon it and it's sincere and it's not a sincerity which is you know an important kind of sincerity which cannot act into the world so look at it what is that sea of white sincerity is describing passionate in flow passionately it is heaving towards the sky leaping towards the sun passionate in flow had not one turbid wave this turbidity that comes from an ignorant untransformed passions passions make it turbid that's what we are told it's like a storm which you know puts a smoke over the flame but here look at the contrast throughout this we will see contrast passionate and yet not one turbid wave we can understand that there can be a tranquil river and you know there is no turbidity but passion by its nature throws things from below but here because even the depths are secrecies of light therefore even when the passion heaves even in the great world play there is not one turbid wave not for a moment and that's what is the essence of the gita through the battle he goes one of the elements of the gita but through all this immense kurukshetra of life there is not one moment he tells arjuna be careful not for one moment should hatred and anger come into you otherwise there will be no difference between you and duryodhana because they are also fighting the war but i expect you to stay in a state of sthit pragya in a state of quietude calm and i'll grant that state to you as a gift if you surrender yourself to me and then look you know again 
the movement and the calm wedded together. These are majestic lines as in a mystic and dynamic dance. A priestess of immaculate ecstasies inspired and ruled from truth's revealing vault. It's lovely lines these three. Look at, you know, people have a way of looking at truth. Truth is something very harsh, something bare. But this is not just a harsh and bare reality. It is, she is the priestess of immaculate ecstasy. It is ecstatic. Raso Vaisaha. It is Anandam Brahmeti. It is full of delight. The sign that we are really touching truth is that our hearts are filled with delight. If not, then we must set our GPS correct. Maybe a wrong address has been put into it. Instead of the self with a capital S, it is self with a small s. And therefore there is frustration, anger. When we are seeking the truth, as you know, I think yesterday we were talking about the means. Truth is delight. The path is also full of delight. That's why the mother at one place says, there is no place for renunciation in our yoga. Now you know people, what does it mean? He says, because if you have to renounce something and you are feeling the pain of renouncing, that has no meaning. It should be a joy. We are going to the all blissful. The path will be all blissful. The path will be all delightful. So, priestess of immaculate ecstasy, yet she is ruled from truth's revealing vault. She is governed by the truth within. And the word that mother has used for this truth revealing vault, she has used the word Satya Dharmai, which is there in the Isha Upanishad. It's the law of truth. How it should express and unfold itself. Not the human law, not our understanding of good and bad and right and wrong, but something which is Transmoral, something which is beyond these labels in which life is caught forever, needed in our ignorance, of course, moves in some prophet cavern of the gods, a heart of silence in the hands of joy, inhabited with rich creative beats. So, Shubhinda says, Peace is the sign of the divine presence. The static presence. Ananda is the sign of the dynamic dance of the divine. It's the dance of Shakti. When the mother begins to work, there is Ananda, not just peace. So we have these lines which indicate that inhabited with rich creative beats, a body like a parable of dawn. Even the body was sharing that sincerity, that glow. It was suffused with that light of sincerity which is within. Sincerity is literally a light which glows inside. And shows things as they are. It's that light. The mind's light will invariably distort. I like someone. Whom do I like? Somebody who keeps saying very nice things about me. Oh. <laughs> you know, he's a wonderful person. And next it goes, you know what he was saying about me? <laughs> Obviously, he's a wonderful person because he was saying. <laughs> oh, that person, yeah, you just mentioned his name. I want to hear about him. You know what? What he was doing? Why? Because one day he told me, showed me a mirror which I didn't want to see. So he becomes the worst person in the world. But the one who is a seeker after truth shuns neither. In fact, he likes people who criticize to be nearer. Nindak niyare rakhiye. Because they show us something which we refuse to see. That's why in God's planning of things, always we will see as a complimentary <laughs> As a complimentary gift. Someone who is near us who will criticize us. Isn't it? 
and it's so nice <laughs> nature's accidents god's <laughs> random plan <laughs> because it helps us he is the most helpful person in our life we should never feel angry or we should say please stay near when you say that yes i am good i'll take it that i am good <laughs> not when people say their ignorant voices so look at these you know wonderful things even the body is sharing that light that seemed a niche for veiled divinity or golden temple door to things beyond just to come in contact with her someone asked madran shobindo uh, someone asked shobindo when i am in bombay i sit in front of mother's photograph and look at her and meditate is it all right shobindo says yes it's a very good way of entering into contact with her so we can't go inside and meditate doesn't matter we have the mother's picture look at her why because in every picture she has put something or of herself these are mother's words and when we look at her picture we pass on to what that represents what that holds not just represents representation is a symbol but the power the energy that it holds and we can see even the very body and it was not just an ordinary body we know that it used to change people looking at balcony darshan sometimes they would see the mother's body is tall sometimes different and they asked shobindo how does it happen he said yes of course because even a body is sufficiently plastic to the light and truth but another incident which i came to know recently was most amazing and taradi was mentioning that you know she had got a new camera and she requested mother to take photographs and said okay but not alone only when i am with someone so it so happened that her sister's birthday i think if i remember right it was lata dees her birthday she said yes she will come for the birthday at that time you can come and click with the camera so she was clicking and this camera had 12 you know uh, rolls and uh, the 11 were over and now the last one uh, lata dee had moved away and the mother was alone so mother had asked her to click only when you know somebody is with her but she had not told her not to click when she is alone so she thought wow this is my opportunity so she had loaded the camera and she was going to click and mother said no but she clicked it was an automatic response and she says when she watched it the 12th picture was nothing nothing came what a body no means no and she said it's impossible till date she wonders how it is how it happened and of course it happened because you know even shobindo's body how nirodh that you know once he saw shobindo get up and moved to the shelf to pick up a book and the whole body was transparent he could see through the body to the shelf and the books so what is that body and when we look at a picture it's not just a picture it's a wonderful gift to all of us so it some people ask i think yesterday this question was there you know bowing down before mother and all this it's it's there is no compulsion in it there is a joy in it it's a gift <coughs> and like all gifts we can take it or we can leave it but we should know what it means it's not just a symbolic gesture it's a joyous it's a yoga in its own right because her very body is like a parable of dawn her look immortal rhythms swayed in her time bound steps she says that wherever i have put my feet it has set into motion the power of transformation and that for me is the significance of the ashram please don't go to the ashram as just to meet 
and definitely not rather to meet sadhaks and great beings and this and that. Just go to the ashram because that's a place where they place their feet. That's enough. It contains their, their touch. Immortal rhythms swayed in a time-born steps. Even in earth's stuff, her look, her smile evokes celestial sense. Even in earth's stuff and their intense delight poured a supernal beauty on men's lives. So these two people ask that, you know, nowadays we go for darshan. Uh, I know it is a very limited time and I'll, 15 minutes are there. So, uh, but it's very difficult as you can see to stop anywhere in Savitri. But I don't want to cut it short just to, you know, run through the whole thing. Let's drown into it. So, you know, people say, why do we go to the room now? There is no mother in Shobindo, so whose darshan should we come? So, you know, well, I am reminded of a saint who was blind. And he stood in the queue. He had his own following and he was for the darshan. And somebody asked him, that why are you going for darshan? Because Shobindo won't speak and you can't see. And he says, if I had the eyes, would I really be able to see? How much can I see with these eyes? We are like blind people who don't know that we are blind, making it worse. Because then we don't strive like a self-righteous man who believes that I am already a yogi because I am a all good tick marks. You know, when you enter the customs form, you fill up. No, 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 no. No evil, I have nothing in me. See no evil means I see no evil inside me. <laughs> do good. I do good to myself. I am a good guy. <laughs> so he says, whatever eyes can show us. And so he says that I am going so that their look can fall upon me. Her look, her smile evokes celestial sense. Even in earth stuff, pouring the supernal beauty, poured a supernal beauty on men's life. That is the delight. And then comes these wonderful lines. A wide self-giving was her native act. Thus we should be. One place she describes what a human being should be. You know, at different places she has described. One of them is the twelve petals of the symbol. Another place she takes is champak flower. She would love using this language of flowers. And she would say that, well, you should have this psychological perfection, the five qualities. We change. Even in the twelve petals, they change. It's a dynamic. It's something in motion. It's not a fixed static qualities. So depending upon the person, depending upon the need, because divine is full of infinite qualities. So she would use that flower. That Another place she would say simply, be like a flower. It's frank. It's generous. It gives itself freely to creation. It doesn't question who are you? Are you worthy to receive my gifts or not? It knows its gifts are the light of the sun which has awakened into it some beauty and joy and some fragrance which it shares freely. It doesn't give with the idea of receiving and getting back. It receives from the light above. You ask a flower, what do you need from me? No, I don't need anything. I am given, provided for. It's open, it's equal. One of the descriptions of equality mother uses when it, she speaks of a flower, it's equal to all. And when someone asked uh, an old sadhak, 
what is it that you have been with mother for so long? What is it that you really remember about her most striking? And the sadhak said two things after the poise. Of course, her love, but she says, she was very wide, very wide, very wide. And then added, and very generous. Generous to a default. Whatever people gave her, you know, a strange guru. We have heard of gurus who want anything you give, first you give me dollars. You can't have yoga without dollars. In olden times, it was not dollars. It was the Adhikar Ved. You know, when in Prashnupatishad, the rishis who are already great beings, they go to Rishi Pippala that we want to know some truth. He says, okay, stay on for one year. I'll see if you are worthy of receiving. And then whatever I have, I will give you what I can give. What a time. And now today, what changing times? Well, transfer money this way and get the yoga the other way. But with mother, instead of taking, somebody would give her a gold brush. She would pass it on to another person who would just be in the queue. I think this will go very well with you. Smallest things. And the, the disciple added, that's why she was always running short of money. <laughs> because she was giving. If you see the early history of the ashram, not now. I mean, when people would have dining room dal and there was some odd vegetable floating into it, it was celebration. Today it's special. Now you have rasgulla, and everybody on death day, birthday, marriage day, divorce day, everything they celebrate with rasgullas. Which is fine, nobody minds an extra helping of rasgullas. But look at this, you know, that uh, how she would give and give and wideness. She would accept those who came, even, even criminals came to her and she, she would say what to do. When he came to me, his soul stepped in front. So I just accepted because a wide self-giving was her native act. A magnanimity as of sea or sky. How is the sky magnanimous? We have a wonderful line in Kathopanishad. Suryo yatha sarvalokasya chakshu nalipyate chakshushay bahya dosha eko vashi sarvabhutantaratma nalipyate lokadukhena bahya As the sun shines in all its splendor pouring its light onto all. How you use it is your problem. But it doesn't deprive anyone of the light. The mother didn't deprive anyone of her love. She continues to pour. And that's why this love sometimes gets into people's head. I am special. Mother poured her love on me. Not all can contain that love. Whereas the true sign of receiving the divine rightly is that you grow humble. You discover there is nothing which is mine, Baba. It's all coming from there. Because you receive, see that infinity in front of you. Humility, by the way, is a safeguard against hostile powers. And this is not humility that in front of human beings we bow down and say, you know, I am nothing. <laughs> That's not humility. Humility is before the divine we know that we are nothing. Without him we are nothing. We, we don't even exist. Forget about, you know, a name and form. So what she was doing, a magnanimity as of sea or sky enveloped with its greatness all that came and gave a sense as of a great end world. It uplifted everyone. This is, Shobindu speaks about it in the Arya, that there are two kinds of greatness. One is a titanic greatness. 
we have Alexander the Great. So what that titanic greatness done does Ravana great. It crushes and destroys whatever it acquires and possesses. It finishes it. It stamps its lonely greatness upon the whole world. Everybody should take my name. Everybody should see my cutouts, my hoardings, my photographs. But there is another kind of greatness which greatens everything that comes into contact with it. People describe that whenever people saw her, had a glimpse, she would uplift them. They would feel that they are set free into a vastness which is their own. And that's what the mother would say that people are afraid of surrender. As if the divine wants these gifts to keep with himself. Surrender is the most, uh, the best policy, only it should not be done as a policy. <laughs> when you come in contact with the divine. Frankly, there is none other. Why? Because what do we give to him? We give our lower nature. We give all that is low and ugly and impure. What else can we give? <laughs> and what does the divine gives in return? It changes into mints of divine gold and returns it to us. And reminding us, beggar, take these gifts. <laughs> then we become a beggar in the world. The richest beggar is Lord Shiva. Moving around the world, a beggar, and yet he is a god. So that's the kind of, whenever we surrender to her, she would, what does she do? She uplifts, she transforms, she changes. That is the sign of the true Aryan. So Shubhinda says a true Aryan, when he receives something, he uplifts it. That is the sign of a godlike greatness. It doesn't diminish, crush or finish. It uplifts, ennobles, inspires and refines. Last few lines, and then we will stop. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. Her high passion a blue heaven's equipoise. Who could have imagined looking at her that she is carrying the anguish of a new world waiting to be born in her quiet heart. She was all the time giving peace. But all the time that passion, heaven, asking the earth to heave up to itself. And some of my favorite lines. What happens when the soul is in contact with the divine? What is the nature of that contact? How does it go? What is the method? What is the process? If we are very happy with the world as it is, whatever technique or method we may follow, we will still be where we are. But when we want to go, because we want something new, not because we are unhappy, but because we feel that this scheme of things must change. And look at it, she describes, As might a soul fly like a hunted bird, Escaping with tired wings from a world of storms and a quiet reach like a remembered breast. The breast we have forgotten. Drinking the milk of Putna, the demoness. We have forgotten the original milk of Yashoda, the mother of Krishna. And we are drinking the poison milk, the formula milk, which is meant to give us... It has all these supplements in it. But you know, mother's milk has something which... <laughs> No supplement can give. That is the irony. It has love. Kindly care. How much ever formula milk you may have, you just can't have it. Cow's milk can have it. 
Why? Because cow doesn't give milk thinking of what money I'll get. Cow is giving milk to the calf. So the same love is there. At least that love which you receive through that milk. So, in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose, one could drink life back in streams of honey fire, recover the lost habit of happiness. That's what the ashram to me is. In a haven of safety and splendid soft repose. One could drink life back in streams of honey fire. We have forgotten to live. Forget about knowing to live rightly. We don't live. We are like dead who are alive. Just as there are dead who are very much alive. In the other realms, we are like living, but yet we are dead. So we have to learn. We have forgotten to live. And what is the, what is the sign of living? The joy of life. If that is missing, then something is amiss. Recover the lost habit of happiness. Someone asked me, what miracles happen in the ashram? Why are you there? I said, many miracles, but I can tell you only one. We have learned to smile back again. We have learned to be happy. Is it not a miracle in today's times to be happy from the heart? Smile from the heart. Not happy with, yes sir, how are you? Please come to my house. And we are thinking, when will this, this guest go back? That's not happiness. That's a pretension. And if you pretend too often to be happy, then we forget being happy. Because the only happiness we know is the happiness of pretension. And last three, four lines, we'll stop with that. Recover the lost habit of happiness. Feel her bright nature's glorious ambience. And print joy in her warmth and colors rule. A deep of compassion. A hushed sanctuary. Her inward help unbarred a gate in heaven. Love in her was wider than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. To love her is to grow in all these qualities and many more things which no human tongue can utter. And that's why we see in the mother symbol the most important thing is the center. Set the center right and everything will be right. In us, it is the ego which is sitting in the center. With all its satellite companions who are flattering it. <laughs> and then we want 12 qualities, it doesn't work like that. Even qualities human beings have learned to develop simply as a way to deceive. People know what dress they should wear, how they should speak, how they should communicate because, you know, it's business after all at the end of the day. But it doesn't work like that. An artificial product is an artificial product. But when we seat her at the center, install the divine, the first thing required, Shivinda says in the yoga, is to dethrone the ego and install the living divine presence at the center. The rest is merely a process of time. Time. So we stop here and we continue whenever next. Thank you.